if you are with me today, I want you to pull out your Bibles, uh, pull out your iPhones. If you don't have a leather-bound Bible, pull out your eyes and look at the screens if you have neither. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Uh, I love another version that says jars of clay. We are likened to jars of clay. How fragile that is to be compared to a jar of clay. Uh, I, I, I love that from the beginning that there is treasure in an earthen vessel and something that is fragile. There's treasure there. There's something unique there. There's something special there that God needs an earthen vessel to pour out some things into, some blessings into, some promise and some purpose into, so that earthen vessel can now advance in the earth and pour out God's spirit. He needs vessels to pour into, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And then Paul goes into this, this we are, this is what we are. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, I have something special in me, but this is what I really feel like when it says we are, it's italicized, which basically they're saying, no, we, we legit really are. We really feel this way. We're, we're really like this. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body I pray today that you see this you may be pressed perplexed you may be struggling but there's a better ending when you get Jesus involved when you see that you have a hurt I want to also tell you there is a purpose for the hurt if you bring it to the hands of the healer bring it to him because you will be hard pressed on every side but that's not the end of your sentence the end of your sentence is we're not crushed we're perplexed, not in despair, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, not destroyed. Jeremiah 33, 6. Jeremiah, in this moment, God is speaking some important words over to Jeremiah, the prophet of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, God says this in Jeremiah 33, 6. He says, nevertheless, I will. I will. I love God's promise. I love God's certainty. He is very certain about what he's going to do, and we are very uncertain about when he's going to do it. But we have to trust that he's going to do it when he needs to do it, but God will come through. He he said, I will bring health and healing to it. Now, it is very vague. I want to tell you today, I want you to right here, right now, define it in your life. What is it? What is that thing that needs health and needs healing? What is it? Is it a marriage that has gone wrong? Is it a hurt from somebody else that you are lingering and is festering with your perspective and your thinking? What is it? I want to now back that scripture up and I want to tell you I will bring God will bring health and healing to whatever you said that thing was in your mind he will he says I will heal my people and I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security peace and security peace and security is yours you have access to peace and security you have access to everything you need in Christ Jesus you don't need to add one more thing from this world to give you the validation that you've been seeking you are healed in Christ Jesus if you allow him close enough if you allow him in 
if you tell them about, well, God just knows. He should just know what to do. Now, God knows what to do, but will you trust enough to walk with him while he does it? He said, I will bring health. I will bring healing. You may not even see it. Sometimes you may not even feel it. But I've read this book, and I'm continually reading this book called the Bible. And I realize a lot of times it does not consider how I feel. I'm still looking for that moment where it's like considering my emotions, but it's not. It's all about truth. Paul's over here dropping bombs on me like I'm hard-pressed, but I'm not crushed. I'm like, well, I'm hard-pressed and I am crushed. Okay, Paul. So forget you. I'm moving on. I've realized that, but I want to tell you today, I'm going to preach from this, this thought. Pressed, perplexed, but promised. <clears throat> Pressed, perplexed, but promised. God, help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember when Lindsay got uh, pregnant with Beckham. Let's talk about this pregnancy stuff, ladies. This, this is intense stuff, okay? Now, if you're a husband in here and if you, uh, your wife or if you have kids, you understand a little bit of the process. But as a man, it's difficult because we're at a distance, right? Like, like you know, the woman gets pregnant and then, and then we're just there. We're, how you doing? Like, you good? It's like, that's the best we can do. Like, you want some bacon? Like, I don't know. I don't know what else to do. And we, we go through this process, and we, I remember our first child, uh, you know, Begum, and we get pregnant, and now we're beginning to walk through it, and so obviously as her stomach is growing, uh, I feel bad for her, so, so I have to allow my stomach to grow as well. So whatever she eats, your boy eats as well. I'm all in. Fried pickles, let's do it. Fried pickles and peanut butter. I don't care. Let's go in. Ice cream at midnight. Some of you are like, I'm not even a pregnant, and I do that. I understand. Ben and Jerry's is a demon, I know. But, 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 but this is the process we go through. I legit had one lady, uh, after we announced it to our church in Modesto, California, she walked over to me, uh, and she was so happy about our, our announcement that we were pregnant with our first child, that she walked to me, not Lindsay. She walked over to me and started rubbing my stomach. She said, congratulations on being pregnant. I said, did I eat that much? To where I look pregnant, I guess you can't tell between me and Lindsay at this point. We were just both eating and eating and eating, but she had a reason, and I just had sympathy. Because <laughs> she was feeding too, and I was just feeding nothing but myself. And, and, but we walked through this, and I remember there was times, there, there's things called trimesters, and, and you learn and through process. And again, I'm learning from a distance, because you women, uh, I don't even understand how you, how you go through this as you're growing a baby human inside of your body. I don't even want to go down that journey. It's a miracle, but there's some pains that come with it. And you got to walk through this trimester. And then there's, there's one with nausea, and there's one with sickness. I can't tell you how many times we've, we were on a plane, and it hit you, and those little doggy bags, you think those don't get used? We used everybody's. Like, we were like, get them all, get them all. Every set, all 72 doggy bags right here. You know what I'm saying? And I remember I was preaching in Idaho. She was in the back of the car. She's like, stop the car. I said, man, you better stop or you will kick. You're going to be about to get cut right now. You better stop that. So we pull over and obviously she releases and, and with all that fun stuff, right? We won't go into details. But there's this pain that comes with this thing. And I'm watching her walk through this. Obviously, she did it powerfully, graciously, but I'm like, man, 
this is a lot. And you feel helpless as a man because you're like, how can I help you? I can do nothing. I'm, you know, if anything, you think it's my fault. Like, this is great, you know? And so we, we, we keep journeying through, through, through the pregnancy. And, and, but the pain isn't over even when it's time for birth. In fact, the birthing process is the most painful part of the nine months. Is birthing what's been growing all the season of pregnancy. And this is now, 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 that, that was a whole different world, though. We were walking in, and we were about a week late, or we, uh, she was about a week late. <laughs> Uh, with with uh, with with Beckham, and so we went in about a week later, and then and then I'm in the hospital, and I'm like I'm I'm freaking out. Like she's like it's totally cool, and I'm like no, it's not, no, it's not. We're gonna have this baby. Uh, do you know how to push? I, I'll push for you. I got this, right? Like whatever, you know. And, and I'm nervous, and and I'm on edge, and. I remember going through now, guys, if, if you obviously uh, have a wife and you have kids and she's been through pregnancy, oh my goodness, after, afterwards you're like, how did you do that? You're a hero. I don't know about you, but my wife became a superhero in that moment that we had our first kid. I'm like, how did you even make that? I made another human. It's got hair. Like what? This is insane. But it's the miracle of childbirth. And I just, I, I called and I thanked my mom and I apologized. I'm sorry. I think on my birthday, I don't need to get gifts. My mom needs to get gifts. <laughs> Let's be honest. You're celebrating your birthday. You did nothing to be here. You just came out. That's all you did. And we got to give you presents. No, let's go applaud your mom. Because mama did everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, but, but, but man, that, that threw my world off. And then obviously, you know, come around with Braylon. We were a little more prepared, knew what was coming. Uh, for, for those of you that had to have like triplets, oh, we're praying for you. Man, couldn't even imagine. But, but, but there's, there's, a, there's a picture now. That, that I saw the other day, and I'm like, man, that's, that, that picture gets me happy. I, like, I love this picture. And it's a picture of the result of what she went through. And I want to show you this picture. There's Beckham. He's about two and a half years old. And Braylon Malachi is about nine months old. And I want to tell you, this picture, all of you just awed right now. Because that's the picture of joy. That's the picture that was birthed because of the process. And a process will always birth a joyful picture if you don't give up in the middle of the process. Because when you're in God, God attaches a purpose to a pain that you're in right now. So in that moment, I'm so grateful. In the first trimester, in the second trimester, that the pain she was feeling, we're not even going to get her to think about giving up or quitting because she was hurt. Well, I'm hurting. I'm in pain. No, because maybe the joy set before him. He could endure the cross because of the joy. I want to tell you the same today. Sometimes you need to set a joy in front of you so you can endure the pain of today and you can make it through. Because you got a picture to get to, but you have a process to walk in. There's going to be a day where you can show everybody your picture, but they don't know what you went through to get that picture. 
People will love your picture. People will love your results that you have given, but they don't want to see you. You don't know about the nine months of hell that you had to walk through. You don't know the nine months of pain that I had to press through. You don't know the people that had to talk about me, the people that were offended at me, but I stayed the course. I chose to look straight, not to the left or the right. I stripped off the weights that so easily beset me, and I ran this race that I was called to run because my God set a joyful future ahead of me. I'm not going to concern myself with the pain of my past if I have the joy of my future in front of me right here my God's got me I'm gonna trust that he's gonna make something beautiful out of the ash of defeat he wants to use your ashes and turn it into beauty today and sometimes you gotta walk through some hurt and some pain you can't get a picture like that that makes everybody in here smile that makes me want to go grab both those boys and love on them to death. Now, what's so funny about this is hurt usually comes with hindsight. Because you can look at this picture, and right here, right now, we're not in the middle of the process. We're in the middle of the reaping, where we get to see these boys grow up. Now, don't get me wrong, it's consistent. You got to keep, keep, keep pouring into these kids and, and praying over them that they stay saved and all this kind of stuff, right? But, but, but you can ask me right now, you know, like, was the process worth it? I'd be like, absolutely. Just look at it. Why? We're in the result. Hindsight will always give you 2020 vision because you can always look back over what you went through and you can start to understand the lessons that God was teaching you because you now have a present day picture that was birthed because of past pain. You didn't quit. And this is now who you are today. Oh, you thought the promotional moments made you? Oh, you thought a raise made you? You thought getting married made you? Stepping on toes. It's okay. If you're wearing boots, you got some hard toes. Because you can realize that. You know, step on my toes now. I just need to be encouraged today to say that God's got me. He's taking care of me. And I want to look back and I want to see that no pain is wasted. God saw every tear and he will use every tear to soak into the soil of your life because something cannot grow without water. And if it's not rain, maybe sometimes you cry and you start to water a dream with pain. You start to water what God placed in your life with what comes out of your life. And when nobody else believes in your dream, you got to believe in it. When nobody else sees the picture that God's trying to birth in your process, you got to believe. Maybe you need to look back over your life and say, said, God failed me then? No, nah, it doesn't look like he did. He should have done it in 2002, but he didn't. Oh, when the economy grew in 2008, yeah, he probably, well, oh, no, he still came through then. On 2012, he did it again. He saved my life that time because I got, oh, man, 2015, I can't even tell. Oh, just last week, I can't even tell. If God didn't fail you then, then in 2018 on this Sunday he's not starting now he's got something to produce through your life it's beautiful it's going to be amazing but you have to impatiently endure the process set before you hindsight should strengthen your faith not cause you to want to go back just strengthen that 
And I've realized this, that everybody's been hurt, but not everybody's been healed. Oh, you thought you were alone in your hurt? Everybody hurts, but the voice of hurt will tell you that you're alone and you're isolated. And you're the only one that has to deal with this. And so now everyone's been hurt, but not everybody's been healed. And what happens is it's hurt people, hurt people, fractured people, fractured people, because you feel better about yourself when you bring people down to your level. You want, if you're broken, you want everybody else to be broken around you. You don't want to be, when you're broken, you usually don't want people blessed. And when you're blessed, you usually want people broken because you revolve around you and hurt revolves around you. Pain revolves around you. You want sympathy that it's not coming your way. You want compliments that nobody's giving. You want encouragement that you can't seem to buy from someone because God is your validation and you need to go to God for that validation and start stop seeking in limited sources because there's a limitless God that wants to show you who you are in the midst of this hurt. Everybody's been hurt, but not everybody's been healed. Just because you've been hurt doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean like, man, I'm just so wrong about this. I can't believe I'm just such a bad person. It doesn't mean you're wrong. Just because you're hurt doesn't mean you're right. I found that some hurt people think they're right. Hurt people that are hurt by the church think they're right. In a divorce, if you talk to each side, it's the other person's fault because they think they're right. Hurt people often think they're right. Just because you're hurt doesn't mean you're wrong. Just because you're hurt doesn't mean you're right. Because you're hurt means you're alive. It means you're human. It means you've got a heart that's still beating. It means that you have breath in your lungs. And as long as you have a heart that's beating, you don't need to fight to be right. You don't need to admit that you're wrong. You need to go to the Savior, the perfect Savior of the universe, and say, God, what is it that you're trying to do in me and through me? I don't understand this. I don't get this. Stop trying to understand what God's trying to produce. God's trying to do something and you don't even want to move until you understand you're never going to move because you won't understand what God is doing in the moment. That's why you got to trust and say, I'm still alive. Sometimes pain reminds you you're still here. You, you, you don't all, the, the very thing you prayed for may be the present circumstance you're living in. You prayed for God. To make you great, I've realized that's an intense process. That's a painful process. Oh, you, because you, you want to stand on the stage and preach. I'm learning myself. Often, God will take you through what He allows to speak through you. You, you want to speak to nations, but will you go through a nation-sized season? You want the dream to be big, but the pain to be small, but that doesn't, that doesn't work that way. The greater the pain, the greater the purpose. The greater the affliction, the greater the propel into the promise that's coming your way. It's all over the Bible. This is why we cannot be uh, uh, complaining about being inflicted and just with things and people are coming at me. Good. If people are talking about you, that means they're wasting their time and you're doing something worth noticing. Oh, that's, but it just hurt because they just they mentioned my name 
everybody's in here that's in here, if you're doing something that people have their eyes on, not everybody's going to like it. Like, we came out here playing this church. I was like, yeah, there's going to be some people I don't like this. Because they're going to think we're this and that. And there's going to be people that leave the church for their reasons because they don't really understand all the reasons. And they just want to see it their way. I, and I get that. And I'm like, hey, I bless them on the way out. But at the end of the day, it's amazing how hurt people gather together because you draw like spirits. And if there's nobody else around you hurt, you try to hurt them so you can bring them along. And you try to show them what you're hurting with so you can kind of do a a gathering of the inflicted. And you can talk about and you can be about. But God wants to heal you today because you have a better promise and a better purpose than to sit around and talk about somebody else that's doing something with their life. It's okay to be hurt. It's not okay to stay hurt. So... So we go into to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and Paul uses some beautiful language. Talks about being hurt. He's pressed, but not crushed. He's pressed. Have you ever felt the pressure of life? Have you ever felt the pressure from humanity? The pressure from people to be something that you're not, to do something that you don't want to do, to go in a lane that you're not supposed to go in because you feel pressure. Have you ever felt the pressures to not be mom and dad because they used to be alcoholics and you're trying to fight to not be what they used to be? Have you ever felt that pressure on you? Because now you got to realize you're living life with all of us now. Now, now, you're, now we're going to see what's really inside of you because pressure births whatever is actually in you. But there's a pressure coming against you. And you feel heaviness. And there's, there's different kind of definitions of being pressed. You got depressed. You have oppressed. What kind of pressed are you? But I love, I love that Paul doesn't end the sentence with I'm pressed. He says, he says, I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. Because being pressed is not the end of my sentence. It's not the end of my story. It's not the definition of my life. I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed. Perplexed means baffled, filled with uncertainty, full of difficulty. I am confused beyond repair, but I am not in despair. I am con- I'm beyond knowing what to do next, but I know the God of the next. I am perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted. I'm victimized. I'm subject to ill treatment. It wasn't even my fault. I didn't, can't believe it happened to me. I didn't think it would ever be me on the other end of this kind of testimony. I can't believe I have to, have, have to walk this kind of road of healing. I can't believe I have to confront this kind of pain in my life. And some of you in here have gone 20, 30, 40, 50 years never confronting some things that are in the closet of your past. But you cannot kill what you will not confront. It is time to confront some things and let the enemy know. No, he does not control you any longer. By the name of Jesus, you are set free. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. He shed his blood so you can walk whole today. I am persecuted. I'm not forsaken though. Because I realize, even though I've been victimized, even though the original language is I'm persecuted, I am pursued exhaustively by the enemy. I am pursued. 
constantly. Have you ever been one breath, one step, one decision away from your past because it won't leave you alone? You still need to make a decision in that moment to take steps forward because you are not better if you return. You are better when you walk forward knowing that I'm, pre- I'm pressured, I'm persecuted, I'm walking through some things. I have a valley moment. I'm having a shadow moment, but I know there's going to be a God moment. There is no shadow without a sun. I got to realize I'm living in a greater thing and God's doing a better thing. At the end of my story is not destruction. I'm not perplexed at the end of my season. Some of you need to stop praying for a new season. Start praying for a new you in the season. I just can't wait for my new season. God's like, I just can't wait for a new you. (laughs) Because it's time to commit your life to the process of a promise I've been pressured I've been perplexed I've been persecuted but I have a promise and by the blood and grace of Jesus I will see what he put in my heart I will see my calling come to pass my hurt will not stop me in my present and will not keep my future from happening I'm still here I'm still breathing persecuted but I'm not forsaken I'm struck down I'm fallen something took me off my feet devil's trying to cancel me out I'm falling I'm on my back and what's beautiful about this is you may hit your back sometimes in the ring of life but you only have one way to look when you hit your back it is up there is only one way to look when you have fallen down and that is up there's only one direction that your eyes need to point in when you're at the bottom of a bottle when you're dealing with your condemnation and guilt when you can't get over that offense you need to look up to where your help comes from one more time because I promise the God that is willing and able to save will run to your aid will run to your side he hears every petition he hears every cry he sees every tear I know you've been hurt but you're not destroyed you've been struck down but not destroyed and then when you're struck down the the enemy loves to come over and start the start the counting process because when the when the enemy starts the counting process that means hey if I get the 10, basically, you better just walk away from it. I'll give you, I'll give you, some, I'll give you some, some, some seconds to turn your life around. And, and, but, but you're basically not. He's telling you you're done. He's reminding you that you're on the floor. That's all a count is. When you come over, when a boxer comes over to count the 10, if you're unconscious, you're like, he's counting. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm down. <laughs> It's, that's why he's counting. What's so beautiful about this thought is that the enemy may be counting to 10, but he can't count you out because he never counted you in. What did the enemy do about you being here? Nothing. He's just scared that you are here. If you have some hurt in your life, that means you have some value in your life. That means you've got something in you that needs to come out of you. And I'm here to tell you that your pain was sent on purpose to either take you up or take you out. You have to decide which direction. But I, I tell you this, it's not here to cancel you, to kill you. I know the devil is telling you, I'm going to hear kill, steal, and just, but that's not your ultimate promise in life. You need to get up again and see that God's grace doesn't just give you a second chance or a fifth chance or a tenth chance. God's grace is unlimited to take you back every single time. All you got to do is breathe again. Is to get up again. 
because you're not destroyed. The moment you give up is the moment that you have submitted your life to the very thing you didn't need it to submit it to. Failure. Oh, I'm just a product of my past. I'm just this is just who I am. I want to tell you three things then. Press, perplex, but promise. Number one, you're hurt, but you have hope. It's gonna be three quick things. You're hurt, but you have hope. That statement perplexed but not in despair. The original language of perplexed means to be utterly at a loss. Have you ever been in that place? Where you're so lost on what to even do next? So confused, so beyond. You're perplexed, but I love this. I'm not in despair. You know what despair means? To be without hope. Oh, so so yeah. Yeah, I'm at an utter loss at what to do but I still have hope. As long as I have Jesus, I have a hope. See, I don't know what the way out is, but I know the God of the way out. I don't know what my next step is, but I know the God of the next step. He's, I I, got to, you can't, everybody's going to be hurt. But it becomes dangerous when hurt people become hopeless people. When you become hopeless, you now put yourself isolated on an island. And you tell everybody else to help you. Save you. When you're the one that put yourself on the hopeless island. And isolation is the devil's playground. So the longer you live hopeless is the longer that you'll buy into the voice of the enemy because it's the only voice getting through to you. It's the only voice that you're hearing. Like, where's God's voice now? You've got to see he's the voice of hope. You've got to break out of this hopelessness and see this is not the end of my story. Romans 8, 835. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Doesn't mean he no longer loves us. If we have trouble, calamity, persecuted, hungry, destitute, danger, death. Those are a bunch of names, right? A bunch of names that can hurt you. They can bring pain to you. Uh, Trouble, calamity, persecuted, hungry, destitute, danger, death. Uh, Those are things that are going to come against you. See, I, I, I love it because, yeah, we, we, we can name some things that could take us out. See, God is, call him the King of Kings. Call him the Lord of Lords. I call him the name above every name. I don't know what. I'll say it like this. If you can name it, you can claim it. If you can name that depression, you can claim your victory. Because the last line of this is no, despite all these things. Overwhelming victory. Not you barely got by. Not you barely made it. And you're struggling breathing. Overwhelming victory is yours through Christ Jesus who loves us. I want to tell you today, there's a name above every problem, every pain, every infliction, every wound, every hurt. 
every offense, and it's the name of hope. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Sometimes you need to just declare the name. I got trouble, but I got Jesus. I got calamity, but I got Jesus. I got a storm, but I got Jesus. I know I'm facing death, but to live is Christ and die is gain. I got Jesus. I'm hurt, but I have hope. Number two, I'm hurt, but I have heart. Hurt, but I have heart. It says this in 2 Corinthians 4.16. Paul said it again. He said, therefore, we don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Lose your hurt, not your heart. Stop getting rid of the right thing. Help us, Jesus. Stop getting rid of the thing that's actually here to help you. Heart your courage. The boldness to move on. The boldness to do ministry again. The boldness to witness again. The boldness to believe again. The boldness to get married again. The boldness it takes. Don't lose heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. We can take heart. We can take boldness. My sister, over 25 years of rheumatoid arthritis, she got it when she was 16 years old. She is crippled in her body. Her hands are basically like this because of what it does to her bones and her joints. It's crazy. I talked to her last week, and she's in pain every day. There's not a day that passes without pain. And obviously, we're praying and we're believing, but she called last week, and we had a conversation, and she's telling your boy scriptures. She's preaching to me, who's a preacher. She's telling me, I know I'm walking through this, but there's going to be a result that is better than this. I don't know if my healing is coming on earth or in heaven, but my healing is coming. Ah, some of you need to catch that. Your healing is coming. You need to make a decision that your healing may not come in physical form, but in mental form, that I'm thinking different. I have a renewed sense of heart to say, I know I'm afflicted. I know I'm hurt. I'm here for a reason I got a purpose we don't lose heart in the hardest of moments you don't let hurt cause you to lose heart hurt should remind you of how much this is actually in you number three you hurt but have hope hurt but have heart you hurt but you have a healer oh come on you got a healer you're hurt I got an answer for that you've been through some fire there's a fourth man you're in a storm there's someone sleeping in your boat you're hurt there's a mender I believe spiritually, I'm just going to kind of throw this out in more of a prophetic sense. I believe spiritually some of you in here are going to hit your second win. You know the first win, when you get to the end of your first win, you get tired. But that second win kicks in and it's a new sense of energy, a new sense of passion. You've been broken, but you've been mended. And now you got a second win to run again because you have a healer by your side you need to look up again stop being so concerned by what hurt you 
how you got hurt. You're so stuck on the process of how you got hurt and when you got hurt and why you got hurt that you're missing what God is trying to do with that hurt. Because Isaiah... throw it up there I love Isaiah the last one he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes check this out by his pain, by his hurt, your hurt is healed. See, God took what you're walking in right now and gave you a better way, gave you an open door, gave you a healing that we didn't deserve, gave us something that we didn't garner or earn. He gave us by his stripes. I want to tell you today, stop holding on, you're healed. Stop remembering those things, you're healed. Stop revisiting those moments, you're healed. Stop reliving moments, you're healed. Stop going back to yesterday's pain. You are healed in the present so you can walk in the person and the calling that you are called to walk in today. By his stripes, you're healed. He went to the cross. He took wounds for us. He took stripes for us. He shed his blood for us. So we have wounds today. God has scars for us. Scars are mean. Scars means that wounds have been healed. He wants to show you, I've been through that. But I have resurrection power in my veins. And the moment you come into my family, the moment you become a savior, the moment you become my savior, then your life shifts. Because you're no longer concerned with those with opinions because you have a savior. You're not concerned about the hurt. You have a savior. You're not concerned with the person that tried to bring you down and everybody's. Can I just tell you this? The entire world's not against you. That me versus the world mentality has had you trapped for years. Get out of that. That has to be the biggest lie of the enemy that I catch from people. Oh, the enemy's just out for me. He's out for all of us. Are you kidding? Of course he's out for all of us. Because here we are enlisting in God's army saying, look, we're here to change the city. And the enemy will always attack something that has great value on it. So if you've been hurt, that means you have something to heal from. But you also have something to tell somebody else you can get out of it. It's so incredible how God's going to use your story of healing. But you need to lay some things down. You need to lay down some offense in this room. Some of you have some things that you're offended at. Some people you're offended. You know what offense is? It's building a fence around you. And you build these walls around you. And here you are trapped in your little offense right here. And you know what offense is? It's you throwing little pebbles over that fence, hoping it hits the person that you don't like. Uh, that's, that, should, that should get them. Unfollow them. Yeah, take that. And you think they're the ones trapped. No, you're the one not healed. You're the one not moving on. Offense causes you to stay stagnant where you're at and you can't move forward this is just a part of hurt let healing begin 
by his stripes you are healed. Can you stand all over this place?